Hello and welcome back to Breaking Social. Uh, This is actually part two of our, I guess you could call it a deep dive into TikTok specifically. In the first part of this episode, we went in detail with our experience on TikTok, the things that we've learned over time, how the algorithm works, how we strategized um, our first piece of work on TikTok and how we essentially created a bit of a blueprint on the platform. Uh, For this part of the episode, we want to talk a bit more about things that you can take away from our experience. Um, We've obviously spent a lot of time working on that platform. A lot of money has been spent through us on that ad platform as well. So there's obviously things that um, we've experienced that you uh, essentially can take from us and uh, and use with your own marketing. One place that I thought it might be worth starting is TikTok has evolved a lot since we first started working on the platform. How has it evolved from when we first started to now and where do you think it's going to evolve to next? When we first started, uh, when we first started, I suppose it was, uh, it was very undersaturated with brands relative to the TikTok today in the sense that there was a lot of brands still tiptoeing around the platform the stigma around it being a kids dance platform was definitely still there and there was there was some like content styles on there that I think were making brands shy away from it as well and cut to TikTok today it's a much more commercially focused platform TikTok have done multiple campaigns to onboard brands and new types of user onto the platform with their campaigns like learn on tiktok or it starts on tiktok or i can't remember what the campaign was specifically but everyone remembers that stephen fry tv ad when everyone was like no way tiktok's advertising on tv this is crazy so today it's a much more commercially focused platform ads are more generally accepted the content styles are improving from the Mm. creators as well they're definitely starting to understand the platform a lot more yeah i I agree i think you you've touched on something there where it was the content because of the content style that TikTok commands. Uh, there was a huge education piece for well, especially back in 2020 when brands were going on there. That's I remember having that conversation with you where it was like a it feels like a double like two hurdles in order to start working with a particular client on TikTok because first of all we have to not only convince them of our capabilities but actually convince them of you know that this is the right thing to do and this style of content even though it does look maybe less glossy and polished than the things that you may run top of funnel on instagram for example this is what you do need to do to to work well on this platform and it was almost like you know that was one of the big hurdles to, to start working with a brand on tiktok now i feel as though tiktok's been around long enough where there are probably a lot of conversations um We've even had it where conversations we've had with with potential clients and current clients where um, they're already open to the idea of um, UGC style content and working with influencers to garner content that we, you can run on paid ads and things like that in in a in a style that is more native to TikTok. That feels like something that brands are, are more accepting of now. Now that they've seen that it does work on the platform, do you think that'll change over time? Do you think there is an inherent challenge? to overcome and if there is what do you think the next iteration of content will be obviously native tiktok native style content is working really well right now and before it was almost like a bit of a cheat code if you if you knew how to like if you knew that that was the right thing to do that early you had this massive head start now there's a lot of brands who are starting to open up to it and are starting to do it on the platform it's probably going to be a bit more saturated of what we would actually consider good quality tiktok content mm. That seems like a bit of a challenge for anyone who's now like over time as more brands come on they have a bigger challenge because they're entering a more saturated pool of decent content is there a way to overcome that or is it just something that is just going to get harder over time do you think content will evolve i think 
yes, there's going to be more brands that are onboarding onto the platform. That is just naturally going to happen because it's a it is an advertising platform that is creating tremendous success for anyone that is uh, that knows how to use it well. So it's inevitable that more runs are going to be on there and it's going mm. to be more saturated. The thing that I think will take a long time is still certain brands finding their niche and their place on the platform because I think people are responding really well to brands that are presenting themselves in a really authentic way. So like Duolingo uh, and Ryanair, they've found a way to present their brand in a very authentic way and in a way that suits the platform and suits the style of content that you see usually on the platform. The thing that I think is going to take a while is for brands to find their position on the platform because obviously not everyone can do what Duolingo does. They're very close to the line if people have seen some of the comments that they leave on videos or some of the content that they post. Same with Ryanair, they're very meme focused. Obviously, if you're like a luxury fashion brand, for example, you can't or you wouldn't want to present your brand in that way. So as brands continue to come onto the platform, that feels like a challenge in that there is more good quality content that you have to cut through now as a brand. Um, And so that feels like a challenge. Is it in your mind? Um, Or is there another way to get cut through? Uh, And also, how is content in your... How do you think content's going to evolve as the platform continues to mature? I think the evolution of content question, that's going to be decided. That's one of the most interesting things about TikTok because that is almost decided democratically by the users of the platform because you are upvoting or liking or whatever you want to call it, depending on the platform you use. You're pushing the content that you think is the best to the top always. Mm -hmm. So by doing that, you're encouraging other people to create content in that specific style. So eventually you will get to a point where in theory it would be like the optimal style of content for that platform in the same way instagram like if you look at instagram 10 years ago it was like people uploading random pictures of family like if you scroll all the way back to the bottom of your instagram that's the type of stuff that it used to be uh, on your whole feed and over time people have noticed that certain things get more likes than others and play into that and have Mm -hmm. become since become influencers and there's like a very Instagram style of content, like people call sort of Instagramable, etc. So, like, what is that for TikTok in ten years? Like, what is that content style? Is really interesting, mm. and that's going to be decided by the audience. And then, whether or not it's getting more difficult for brands to get cut through, I think it's going to be. It is still a lot easier to get cut through on TikTok than it is on Facebook or Instagram, mm-hmm. because it's still undersaturated with brands. But as it gets more saturated, I think. The hard bit is going to be brands finding their feet in this, on this platform and in mm. this content style. Yeah, um, there are brands that are doing it a lot better than others at the moment, and that is shown in just the engagement and the sentiment around specific ads. And there are brands that are doing it wrong, and you can see that in the engagement and the sentiment as well. So I think that's going to be the most interesting thing is how brands adapt to the new platform than anything. Mm. Um, that have grown in a pre-TikTok world, what yeah. what does their brand evolve into in a post-TikTok one? Yeah, that's such a good point. We talked there about the advantage that you had early on as a brand was being able to be open to and adapt to the TikTok style of content. And what Alex touched on there is that over time, it's going to be like the success is going to come from those brands that continue to adapt to not just what is currently the TikTok style of content, but what in future, as that evolves, what that new style of content will be. 
which ultimately, like you said, is is, is chosen by the users and what they upvote. So takeaway is just make sure that you are focusing on the types of content that are on TikTok that the users are natively using and adapt your your content style to that as that evolves over time. Would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. Brilliant. Uh, the next thing I actually want to talk on is the next step from what we talked about there on content, which is if I'm a brand with millions and millions to do a TikTok test, there's probably a lot of things I can try and there's a lot of things that you can recommend because you've got a, a very wide scope with that kind of budget. For a brand who doesn't have that kind of budget, I'm talking a very limited budget, the approach might be different. And what we would recommend based on those two you know, scales of budget would also be different. So in your mind, if I was a small brand and then if I was quite a big brand, um, what is a good entry point in your mind to TikTok for those two different sizes of company? If I was a small brand, I would shy away from the big glossy ad products like TopView that are aimed to make a huge splash and get maximum reach to absolutely everyone on the platform. That wouldn't be what I'd choose if I had a limited budget and I was a smaller brand. I would look for, and we covered a little bit of this in the first part of this conversation, in you would look for those key opinion leaders um, as long as they're within your budget and some people that are similar to the demographic that you want to target. Brief them, make contact with them, um, send them products out if you can do that, if that's the kind of product that you have. Ask for whether or not you can, you, they're happy for you to advertise with their content mm-hmm. and then uh, push spend, push ad spend behind that. But traditional ad spend like Spark ads that just, or in feed uh, mm-hmm. video, it, where it just, people just see it kind of more organically in feed and they just come across it rather than it being a splash page or mm-hmm. uh, or anything like that. So you're creating content with key opinion leaders and you're creating content with people that look like or sound like your demographic and having people come across that organically on the platform and why is what what is the outcome of that why would you recommend that for a a smaller business um over recommending top view well so because top view goes to everybody it's naturally more expensive tiktok sell it as a more a premium ad product because everyone sees it and it's the first thing that people see on the platform so Mm -hmm. understandably it's valuable but you need to decide whether or not your product is for everybody and if you can make one piece of content that you think gets everything about your brand and the product and its benefits across within think about how quickly people generally Mm. skip top views because it's getting in the way of the experience that they're looking for on the platform so you have to be able to get that message across very very Mm. quickly so it's difficult so that's why i'd shy away from top view because it's likely that your product isn't for everyone Mm -hmm. and it's for a specific niche unless it's like i don't know toothpaste or something that everyone uses but so you're saying if you've got a a limited budget you should be more strategic in your approach because you need to obviously make sure that every penny counts in that approach so go after the people that are within your customer's niche and create content that is specifically speaking to the things that they want to know and hear about yeah yeah exactly then for a large brand what would you recommend for a large brand if you are looking for that like big glossy impact piece there's no reason that you couldn't use something like top view mm-hmm. if you're literally just looking for maximum views you want to know everyone has seen your ad you can certainly do some more creative things with top view mm-hmm. um that do get people engaged there are a lot of people a lot of brands that get top view and do it wrong and you can often see that in the sentiment so next time you get a top view ad from a brand just look at the comments yeah, and see, the comments, see just, what? the comments will tell you whether or not it's 
done well or not. So that's key. If you are a big brand and you do have the budget, um, you can do something really creative with Top View that everyone will see. So that's, that is interesting and exciting. I would still couple that with, if you've got the budget, some of your bigger key opinion leaders that have built up a massive authority on the platform to the point where you're almost showing how trustworthy you are as a brand simply because you are able to work with that tier of creator. Mm -hmm. Because yeah, you might say, aren't they oversaturated with loads of brands? And I think you'll find with a lot of those top tier KOLs in niche market segments, they are often very protective over the brands that they work with. They won't just work with anyone. That's partly why they're expensive. So if you can align yourself with them um, and you can afford to, then that says a lot about your brand for one. And then you can go bigger on the finding people that look like my demographic. Mm -hmm. So you can just go much broader and create a much bigger snowball effect, much more traction. And it would snowball faster as well, wouldn't it? So that, that impact, that moment from almost like the first piece of content going live to when it feels like there's this global snowball effect that everyone seems to be so from that first piece of content that goes out to that global snowball snowball effect where it feels like everyone's talking about it i imagine because you're going at such such a scale the different the time difference between that first piece and that feeling is is much shorter as well isn't it Hmm. what would you i've got a question for you sure what would you say to if i'm a big brand and i do have a big budget Hmm. and i've watched elf do eyes lips face yeah <laughs> and i've gone tiktok's about music yeah it's about dancing um i want to make a dance challenge what would you say to them i so there's a, <laughs> there's a couple of things i would say to this that's a really good question because um my initial response is is like the first question that comes into my mind when i hear that is why do you, why specifically do you want to do a dance challenge is it because it's it's exactly what, like, it's the right format and you think that is what's going to represent your message? Or is it because that's what you think TikTok is as a platform and that's what you should do? Because if it's the latter, there's probably a better way. There is most likely a better way to represent your message. And I might contradict myself here. I'm not fundamentally against creating or trying to create TikTok challenges using, you know, owned music to be able to do that. It is incredibly difficult. Trying to do that without using TikTok's more expensive media spots is basically impossible. And that has been made very clear (laughs) um, that if you try and do that organically, you're essentially fighting a losing battle. And so I'd want to understand why you're doing it. For 99% of campaigns, I would say it's a bad idea. The reason being is because there is probably a better way to get your message across. And the reason why a particular brand might be thinking of using music and a a challenge and a dance um, is because that's what they have been told or have seen um, in a very limited time that that is what you do on TikTok. When in reality, the scope and scale of TikTok's capabilities is much wider and broader. And so there's a lot more to do. There is, I would preface that by saying there is a 1% time where an attempt at 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 creating a trend may be the right route. I am yet to see that since Elf, to be completely honest, where it's been done to perfection. Mm. Um, But yeah, there there will probably be another time where it is right to do that. I've thought of a potential comparison to something where brands will probably be like, no, that's definitely not right. Where in the 70s, brands wanted to connect more to connect more to their consumers and i'm thinking specifically about cereals and they introduced the idea of mascots so you had 
like Tony the Tiger on Frosties and you had mm. whatever the monkey is called on Cocoa Pops. I don't know what he's called. <laughs> he's but basically, it. if you walk down the cereal aisle, it's like Professor Wheato, like all yeah, these yeah. people. So they were like, we have to create a mascot to relate to kids. Like yeah. there needs to be like a personified, like a uh, fun thing. Um, we can't just be Cocoa Pops yeah. or like Special K is today, whatever. We need to have like a cool mascot. And if we went into a brand today and was like you need to you need to have a mascot (laughs) you would be like no if we pitched like i don't know sarah the giraffe for to to l'oreal or someone like that yeah and said this is how you connect to kids yeah they'd be like no (laughs) and that's almost what tiktok dances are now where it feels i'm sure you could make a mascot like compare the meerkat alexander the Mm. meerkat is a great mascot Mm. and it's done well so there's like yeah. the one percent where creating that thing works, but for a lot of other people, it's just like, why, why, mm. like, what is it for? And, is there- and I think the other thing as well to layer on top of that is if you go on TikTok today and scroll through organic content, a lot of the content will be people dancing to stuff mm. still, and that's fine. But you've got to you've got to also like understand why they're dancing to that song. Mm. I would say seven out of 10 times now it's because it's an ironic thing to do or the song has been made up of like a sound bite that then been turned into a song by another creator and so the song in and of itself is the joke and people are just dancing to it because it's ironic. Like there's, there's a, there are so many more reasons why people are creating content to songs that have been made or dancing uh, in content outside of just it's a trending sound and it's a trending dance, therefore people want to do it. Like people aren't that guided on TikTok. They are making their own conscious decisions mm. about what's cool, what's not cool, what they should and shouldn't take part on. It's not as though if TikTok did, decides to make this song popular that everyone just goes, well, I'll dance to this. Like it, it's not that shepherd and sheep mentality. They are all deciding of, of their own accord what, what is popular and what is cool and not cool to do. And so if you if you manage to create some sort of social movement or social moment where a, a song is the natural product of that and then people, it, like, it would make societal sense to start dancing to that, be it in a comedy or ironic or in a serious way, like, whatever it might be, mm. that was when that is when it would work. If you're trying to manufacture a trend, like, in, in a broad stroke fashion where it's like, we're going to put loads of money behind this song and dance and, and pay a load of creators to do it and ask people to join in in our dance, it's too salesy, commercial, like, one-dimensional conversation to an audience. It's not authentic enough to get a, a group of people to to consider that cool enough or okay enough to do of their own accord and put their own, like, reputation on the line when they're creating this piece of content. Hmm. So there's my answer. Nice. <laughs> The, following on from that, as because the, these questions do follow on from each other, funnily enough, but we've talked there a bit about how brands can get onto TikTok and what the first key thing is, which is um, aligning their content to what is currently the leading and best performing content formats on TikTok. The next stage is if you're, you know, depending on the size of your brand, what what is, what is then a good entry point and what would we recommend? One thing that we've probably seen a lot of is potholes that some brands might have accidentally fallen into just as they've been figuring out the platform and figuring out what works for them. What are the common mistakes that you've seen that you can right now just say, let's try and avoid these because we've seen these happen before. And if you're going to you know, try and enter TikTok, try your best to avoid these mistakes that we've seen happen. Yeah. My biggest one that brands do all the time is just not respecting what the platform is and the audience Mm. that are there so for example there are brands and there's some that have done it very recently so it's not like they've not had the opportunity to watch how the platform's developed that have just gone yeah let's just do a dance and a track and stick Mm. it up that's tiktok 
and they'll just put it up and some of the comments and the sentiment is like I am not going to buy from this brand having seen this mm. or like yeah, yeah. I'm taking back this certain product because I've seen this ad like horrendous sentiment because they just haven't respected what the platform mm. is they see it as something that's simple just for kids there's no depth to it like all or whatever they might think mm. um versus traditional advertising methods yeah and they just it's almost go, like oh. what, what putting that content out there is saying is like a subliminal message because people mm. will receive that because tiktok's got its own culture it's got its own style of content like you say the way people will receive that content is first of all they'll see it and be like this is not this doesn't belong here first of all mm -hmm. and then they'll think again and, and go someone somewhere has thought that oh we'll just put a load of money behind this for TikTok and all those kids on TikTok mm -hmm. and that will be fine. And they will take that personally and make sure that that is known in the comment section, mm -hmm. which is where you're getting these, you know, um, never shopping here again. What is this ad? Delete, delete. God, mm -hmm. I wish I couldn't see that sort of thing. I think one of the other ones is, and it comes with like the respect thing as well, is respect for Gen Z, millennials, Generation Alpha, whatever the next one is, that they don't really understand or see through the advertising industry mm -hmm. and not respecting the fact that you're despite like lack of experience or whatever you you might want to say about gen z or or whoever this is the most informed and technologically literate generation that has mm -hmm. ever existed and you're basically dealing with people that can answer any question that they have about anything in seconds mm -hmm. which means that we're living in a time where and not only that they also have they also all have their own individual broadcasting platforms mm -hmm. where they can immediately get anything that they think out to average maybe 750 to a thousand people in terms of their followers on twitter and TikTok. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah so you're dealing with people that are very very well informed that understand how businesses work roughly and how they make money and how the advertising industry works everyone's very familiar with that at this point in fact are they is that am i just making no i think just, no do, so i think i think you've made a good point where they are they they have the tools to get the answers to anything that they want they're well informed about business is is an interesting one because what we find is that they there's like there's almost like a, a well informed and then a group of people who feel well informed but are missing some key information mm. where they'll understand that a business will work because they have a product, there are costs that go into making that product, and ideally they will make a, a profit on top of that, and therefore this is the price of this product. And I think what has happened is because businesses in their inherent, uh, well, majority of businesses in their inherent nature are trying to maximize profit, it feels like a, an evil thing to do when prices are getting higher and the response from that audience is they're just trying to maximize profit, they don't care mm. about me, and it becomes this them versus us thing. And so what, what you're seeing is... I want to be fair to the Gen Z audience as well because they are well informed. But I think what what we're seeing is it's almost like selective information where we saw two, I, well, towards the back end of last year we saw two big trends where people were speaking out against businesses, saying that businesses need to do more in terms of philanthropy or giving to charities and things like this, and calling out companies for rising prices, X Y Z, mm -hmm. because it for for any user on the platform it felt like a them versus us, like a company versus the normal people where it was they felt like they were constantly getting ripped off and which is why companies who are transparent about you know how their products are made why they're priced the way that they are um are often winning because there is no almost like attack vector to, for, mm. for users to, to go on well because we're dealing with one of the most informed generations ever that all have their own broadcasting platform 
brands exist in a space where their audience has the ability to join in with, amend, or argue with your brand's message mm-hmm. and the way that your brand's going to be perceived. So there can be occasions where your brand can push out a message, but if it's not strong enough and it's then hijacked by someone on TikTok that disagrees with something that you're saying, mm-hmm. there is an opportunity for that message to overtake the one that you wanted to create in the first place. And that is then how your brand's perceived by mm-hmm. that audience. So it's a really interesting time for brands where they need to understand and respect the fact that people can do that, mm. that Twitter can move markets or that TikTok can mm-hmm. um, create sellout product launches or move mass movements. Mm-hmm. And that it's much more than just an advertising platform where you can stick up a dance and a song and make some money. Oh, one extra point that um, is almost like another layer on top of that is, you know, you said there that one common mistake is is not respecting the culture and the, and the users and the platforms and how they operate. And that it can lead to, like you say, a situation where a user's commentary can override the brand's commentary. Mm. We've seen multiple situations where a user may say something and that does start to happen, it starts to overrun but what they've actually called out might not be entirely true. And mm. the, the brand's original message is actually factual and has integrity to it. And because of the power of the user now as well that we've seen in some cases that brands might be scared to try and come back and, and respond to that in, in fear it might get worse. Whereas if you are sure of, of the truth of your original message and it's done with some integrity, going back and correcting that comment can often be a really good thing. We've mm. actually done this multiple times where a user may say a comment uh, in the comment section or create a piece of content in response to something that may have gone out and it it won't be entirely true and will actually start to spread a little bit of disinformation. And I'm not saying you go back to that user and be like, you're entirely wrong, why would you say that? I'm saying it's a case of educating them on, on where they might have missed a piece of information. And what we found in our experience is the user would actually, first of all, come back to the brand privately and usually apologize and be like, oh yeah, I'll take it down, I'm really sorry, I, I, mm. I thought this, but you're right. And then they'll end up making another piece of content explaining why they had that original point of view and then how it's changed which then is like a big benefit because it's it's showing that the brand has always had this belief and it's sticking by it um, that does take you to have an original core message that is true and that you stand by because if you don't and you know it then it does become a bit difficult and it's hard to go back to a user for calling you out when you are wrong mm. um, but that's that's one if you do have a, a core message that is true and has strong integrity that you can correct opposing messages and it'd be a good thing to do mm. I think one that I've seen, this isn't a major one, but it is one to avoid if you can, is placing too much importance on on brand channel content when it's a creator platform first. Um, We've seen a couple of examples, I won't name names, but they'll essentially have their marketing team start to do dance challenges that are completely unrelated to the brand or product, Mm. but it's because the brand has clearly had a conversation internally where it's we need to be present on TikTok and what you've got is some company's marketing manager and the two execs performing some kind of TikTok trending dance and with products in hand and it's like that's not yeah that's not actually talking about People the like quality in like are you are you okay are you like, okay are you blink twice if you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly, blink twice right. if you're in danger yeah right so it's like those where it's like i think again it that can come under the umbrella of respect the platform and under really take the time to understand it because yes you are taking part in a trending dance and and song that has happened on tiktok yes you have your product in your hands and so if it gets seen by someone by you know definition there is an impression on your product but that doesn't tell anyone about what the product is what it does whether it's good at what it does 
whether it's worth the money that you that you're asking for it doesn't probably in most cases don't even say what the price is it's just somehow displaying the product in a piece of content that has nothing to do with your brand your message or your product so i try and avoid doing that it's a, it's a bit of a a big pitfall to fall in um the best thing you can do is try and find like spend some time on the platform if you if you engage with the platform from a, your brand's perspective you'll end up falling into the like the categories of content that your brand will fall in and mm. you'll likely then start to get some good inspiration for like what good content looks like and what you can start to mimic on the platform um it's probably a decent takeaway i think all of these are encompassed by that you need to respect the platform and that you need to spend and invest the time and in some cases the money into really get into grips with what this is and how it works mm -hmm. and how the audiences respond. And if you don't have the time, that's when you outsource it and you work with someone else. But I think one of the other big ones is understanding that TikTok is about authenticity and kind of things feeling raw. And there's two brand partnerships that I can think of. There's one, I can't, I don't want to say which ones they were, but one of them was with Addison Ray, mm. and a brand just gave her a product mm. And then she was like, my name's Addison Ray and I use product name. And that was it. And it right. wasn't a joke. And it was just like, and she was sat next to like a stack of the product. And I was like, this is like a travesty of an advert. And that versus then JBL, the speakers, and mm. I will name because it was really funny. Um, JBL, the speakers worked with, doja cat right. and they might have given her a brief but she just like held the speaker up in front of the camera with the jbl logo and was like jibble 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 <laughs> and that was it that was the ad and then the sentiment difference on those two pieces night and day yeah like both audiences knew that that was a paid partnership yeah both had hashtag ad in the in the copy one of them was received so well. I don't know how it did for sales, but it certainly increased the exposure of the brand mm. and tied it to Doja Cat. And, and she's yeah. super positive. Uh, she has really, really positive sentiment on the platform. So big success for, for JBL, even if it's not what they briefed her. But I'm sure that that probably landed a lot better mm. um, than than the other uh, partnership with Addison Ray did. And that's the kind of thing that if you don't know the platform, leaves brands going, well, if that's what works, like what, what are we supposed to do? Like, mm, yeah, what? Yeah. I'm confused. That's why a lot of brands, I think, are struggling to work it out because mm. they go, surely we can't just say jibble, jibble, jibble <laughs> and we'll get loads of reach, surely. But, yeah, you can. <laughs> One thing I wanted to touch on briefly was when we first started, in the first part of this episode we started talking about how when we started working with influencers, we weren't looking for influencers who had a lot of followers. We were looking for influencers who knew how to make TikTok content specifically. And so we were actually working with people with a few hundred followers, a few thousand followers. And when we wanted to work with a KOL, they would naturally probably have a few hundred thousand followers because of the quality of their content and who they are. But that's not why we're working with them. So there was inherent, like, we're not, we're not focusing on the amount of followers that you've got. Is there any importance of followers on TikTok? Do you think there will be in the future? I think there will be in the future mm. because I think TikTok's putting itself forward as an entertainment platform, isn't it, over a social media platform. Mm -hmm. So I think there'll be creators that... Because at the moment, I don't think there's anyone that is really consistently producing content that is different enough that it gets over the, the thing of, like, you want novelty constantly. Mm -hmm. 
and has built enough of a loyal following to retain viewers that keep coming back. Like mm-hmm. at the moment, you I think because of the default to the For You page and that being discovery-based, you would have to, if you really liked a creator, you would either have to switch view or search them specifically mm-hmm. to binge watch their content. Yeah. And I don't know if there's that many. There, I can think of a couple. They're like, I can't remember her name, but she was a visual effects artist that makes these amazing uh, really high production value mm-hmm. shorts with about like Willy Wonka and things like that. She's amazing. But I think at some point it will matter because if TikTok are treating this as an entertainment platform, there will be creators that are almost like your stranger things are for Netflix. Mm. And there'll be a creator that makes someone download TikTok yeah. where, where it's the only place that you can watch this specific person or um, it's where you see their content first or whatever. And then I think they're also planning on bringing in something similar to a subscription model where you can like send money or tokens or whatever through the platform. So I think it will become more important in the future for creators to have followers, yeah. There was a, there was something that they put out recently and I think it was actually being tested was that you could uh, basically reshare a piece of content mm. and it would go to people that followed you, but also you had to follow them as well. So they were set, you were basically able to yeah. call it reshare to your friends um, where yes, you could reshare a piece of content which almost gave some inherent value to having followers, but not at scale because you had to also follow everyone. So unless you had some like ridiculous bot account that had mm. followed a million people and they'd also followed you back, there then realistically wasn't too much inherent value in a follower. The one thing that I think could change this over time is live shopping. Obviously in China, live shopping is massive. TikTok in, in Western markets are now trying to push this. And what we're seeing is the uptake of creator-led live streams who are essentially selling products on behalf of brands and taking a commission for it are gaining followers at pace reason being is that followers get a notification when the creator goes live they can and also they can set reminders things like that but that's one place i think is something to keep tabs on is that the uptake in live shopping especially with creator-led lives is rapidly increasing which would then place a a high importance on follower uh, count for whoever those creators are that are doing the live streams. Outside of that, right now, hard to predict. I imagine they'll come from TikTok with new features they roll out, like that friend sharing um, feature. Are there any others that you can think of that might place an importance on the number of followers you've got? If they do end up doing some kind of like Patreon-style model or Twitch-style model where you can subscribe or support specific creators, followers would matter because you're effectively cash, so you'd want to drive or encourage people to follow you. Yeah, the resharing function definitely would be, like you said. Otherwise, it's difficult to overcome that like novelty aspect of the platform where you've just constantly got something new. Like it's a new person, it's a new piece mm. of content, and it's like an infinite number of creators. So that's a difficult thing to overcome when it comes down to wanting to grow your own personal following because it's almost not as attractive as the For You feed because it's not always going to be new. It's going to get old eventually. Mm-hmm. So... We'll see. And I've got two final questions that I want to go over with you. The first one is, if you think back to, when was this? 2020? 2021? Do you remember when Trump said he was going to delete TikTok? And yeah. uh, he, just, he was just going to ban it and make sure it just didn't exist in the US. Scary time for us. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> uh, yeah, fun. Basically but, said, we're going to delete your business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
that was that was a good time, especially with the amount of work we were doing on TikTok. Yeah, so we were watching that very closely. Very closely. But um, I remember anyway, there was some, because obviously TikTok hadn't been around too long. There was even then still conversation around, is it going to last? So should we just move budget elsewhere anyway? If Trump's going to delete it anyway, it yeah. might not even still be around after this. Should we should we go elsewhere? So the question is, do you think it's going to stick around now? Um, I, yeah, because... I mean, it's the most so it's the most visited domain before Google. So no, it's not. It's not gonna go away. There's no other. I mean, there's there's people trying to take like nibbles out of what TikTok have, like Instagram released Reels. Yeah. And I do find myself like browsing Reels occasionally, but it's not. It's not quite the same. No. The content's not quite the same. The experience isn't really the same. I think TikTok has so many unique features that make it mm. a good platform. And there's loads of people. One of the concerns is it's a new thing and people are going, what's going to happen to people's attention spans? Like everyone's going to have really <laughs> short attention spans. This is like a toxic thing or whatever. And I was thinking about it. It's like, I wonder if that has any merit. But it's just when like PlayStation 1 came out, my mum was saying the exact same thing mm. when comic books came out i imagine parents were like that's not a book mm. what's gonna happen what's, what's gonna happen to your attention span and the game boy came out and everyone was like no you could just play all the time mm. what's gonna happen to you and you think you think back on those things like really nostalgically and you think about those things as like the golden era or whatever if you if you're our age like yeah, within our window so it's just i think what everyone's feeling is like evolution of, yeah, of technology I this agree. is just what's happening and you can there's there's obviously going to be resistance to mm. those things and people are calling it out and poking holes in it and finding problems but things like you when youtube came out everyone said what's going to happen to your attention spans mm. and and et cetera, et cetera. So no, I don't think it's going to go mm. away. And I don't think, I think this is just a progression of people, uh, of entertainment. Yeah, I agree. And I have thought about that a lot, about whether it is a negative thing and whether it does hold, like you made it, said it there, whether it holds merit, the point of our attention spans shrinking is that true? Is it a good or bad thing if it is true? And so when you look at the mediums over time, I think you absolutely nailed it there where it was all that's happening is that there's just the information, the available information that it may have taken 10 pages to consume is now being condensed to 10 seconds with a multimedia, whereas you used to have to read word by word, letter by letter across 10 pages and flick them over. Now there's someone who can talk to you, you can hear it, you can see it, you can read it. There's so many different things going on. And also the the facts of, you know, if you read something and had to go and research it from another book to validate the claim, not only can you Google it, but on TikTok, someone's already Googled it and is green screening the Google answer. Mm. So it's like it's just getting more and more condensed, the, you know, the journey from not knowing the thing to knowing the thing. And so I think uh, you're right. I think it's just technological evolution over time. I think, I'd, and with that in mind, I think TikTok will stick around, not only because it's, taken all of those sensory inputs that you can get and made made the most entertaining uh, content format of it um, but two they're evolving constantly about how the platform works one of the biggest things that we're seeing now is is its use as a as a search platform not just a consumption platform to receive new things people go on there to search for answers to things and tutorials for things that's the only bit where i think it could go weird do you think in it being a search platform yeah 
before I say why, I did want to say the only other thing is that people talking about your attention spans becoming shorter and if we see it as an evolution of entertainment, it's just challenging people that want to create content or share an idea to do it in a way that is going to hold people's attention. I think the people that are getting frustrated about shorter attention spans aren't, again, respecting what is creating their attention and aren't able to deliver their message in a way that is engaging Mm -hmm. for the listener. Whereas all TikTok's doing is bubbling up the most engaging pieces of content and showing them to you. you. If you could present your ideas or the message that you want to get across in a way that is going to engage those users then what's what would be the complaint because mm. there's people on there that are educators they're sharing mm-hmm. ideas about history um you know of all the dances or memes that are on there there are channels that are showing people new sides to to life different perspectives educating people around on the sciences on language mm. so there's amazing things on there as well that can that are still going viral so i think overall i think it's a net positive thing in the sense that it's encouraging people or training people to get better at sharing ideas Mm -hmm. in a way that people are going to listen and then the reason that i said it might be a bit funny with the search thing is the issue that facebook's got at the moment or had or i've to be honest i've not stayed up to date with where they're up to on this issue but of fake news so like if you're using it as a search platform i'll be interested to see how they control more critical issues mm. that are going on, more critical things that are going on in the world, mm. given that everyone's got an opinion. I suppose this is a challenge that every platform like that has, mm. YouTube, um, Facebook, all of them. So I, I suppose that's not a that's not unique to TikTok. But no. similarly, people are using YouTube like a search, search mm. engine as well to find things out. So it's like, how do you control that? That's the only bit that I think is a bit weird. Uh, final question. I'm going to keep it nice and uh, nice and vague for you, uh, just to finish off, because we've we've I feel like we've talked a lot about our experience and things that can be taken from it. And obviously, in this part of this episode, we've talked about tangible things that can be taken away. So I want to leave on something that's more of an opinion. TikTok as a platform. What's one good thing that you like about it, and what's one thing that you hate about it? The good thing is that it's encouraging people to share their ideas in a in a way that is more engaging and more entertaining than it was before and it gives you a suite of tools to be able to do that everything you need is in the app so the barrier barrier to entry is ridiculously low so if you're someone that's got an idea and something to share tiktok is an amazing app to do that mm-hmm. one thing that i don't like i guess i don't like that it i'm on it so much but yeah. like and it is that but it's supposed to do it's an entertainment platform mm. so um I don't like that you can't use their tools on desktop mm, because that's right. that's the which which we thought about yesterday. The reason that we thought about it is because TikTok unbelievably have partnered with Cannes Film Festival to create a TikTok specific category, which I think is really cool and does show like the progression of entertainment and them recognizing it as a as a good platform. The only thing that's limiting them and they might see it as a good thing is that you can only do things with your phone so like it does limit your ability to edit content and in some ways that's good yeah sometimes constraints cause like false creativity don't they yeah but I think that if they did open up the same suite of tools to desktop users it would uh, for free 
as well because everything else does cost money then it would empower a lot more creators to produce quicker and maybe more effectively so i guess that's one thing i don't like and they might fix that in the future but um do you know mine yeah <laughs> yeah um i like the subcultures and the culture on the platform so like one thing that we've talked about in years gone by is why we both liked social media from such an early stage mine was that i particularly enjoyed the cultures that were on twitter reddit youtube back then i felt like i was finally speaking to people of similar ilk and i think tiktok because of its algorithm and how it serves content to you does a great job of putting content in front of you that you specifically like and also in the comment section you can see that other people who also like that content are now commenting on it and so it puts you in touch with similar people very quickly which i enjoy the thing that i don't like is I think it's a bit of a, a trend across all social platforms, so I don't think it's TikTok specifically. Um, I think it's just something that as social media and digital entertainment platforms develop, the people and the way that they use them will develop and accountability will become more and more important. Um, but there is an element of toxicity across a lot of social channels where people feel like they can get away with saying certain things mm. that they, if they were in the same room as the person they were saying it to, they probably wouldn't, they'd probably think twice. And I think, yeah, I, it's probably unfair to say it's what I don't like about TikTok because uh, it's it's literally the 0.001% of users. And that isn't just specific to TikTok, that's across all social platforms. Mm. But um, if I had to choose something, it would be that. But overall, though, big fan of TikTok. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this part two of um, our deep dive, I guess, on, on TikTok. Everything we've experienced and learned so far. I hope you got some value from it. See you next week. Bye.